It's two minutes for chatting time, and it's episode nineteen. And uh, I, I thought I'd come up with a, a wee voice there, or maybe a jingle, but but I shat it. <laughs> it just sounded more like a question. Yeah. Um, and uh, well, what what an action-packed episode we've got coming up. We've got probably um, one of the biggest. I'm going to say clan pieces of news to to hit the hit all the, the sort of sport pages and that was a a rebrand. Uh, so we'll discover what the new name and new badge is this week. We'll look at a couple of new players that we've uh, signed since last week. And also the the goings on in the league where there've been another another couple of big signings and uh, other things happening. Uh, and following from that we've got a uh, a new section, could we say? Uh, yeah, sure. Could call it a new section, a f- a football and a football inspired new section. Obviously, we'll look at uh, the the knockout stages that we've not covered yet in the football, but I guess yeah. a football n- named or themed new section. Uh, yeah, it's probably more of a one-off than an actual section. I would say. Yeah, okay. Yeah, we'll probably rinse it dry after one one week. But uh, yeah. see how that goes and then maybe revisit a couple of themes from last week and see what other crazy news stories we've got. Indeed. Lots to pack in. Lots to pack in, so let's get going. <laughs> Today's uh, some sort of game show theme to start there. Yeah, everybody was. But as they know it's not gonna. No. Maybe, maybe at some point yeah. in the future. Once the sponsorship comes in, I'm still waiting for that. Yeah, uh, we'll have that sort of capability. Yeah. Today's big headlines. There, yeah, that's a kind of news style intro. Yeah. Now nah, we'll go. We'll look at the a couple of signings first, and then tackle the the rebranding. I think. Sure. So, uh, I think at the start of. Uh, or midway through last week was it that Clan announced the signing of uh, ex Belfast forward Brendan Connolly, and it's um, another really impressive signing. I have to say, uh, somebody who probably I didn't expect us to be signing, just based on how well he did did last year. Um, but another another smashing. Smashing forward and that that's really starting to take shape. Yeah, definitely. Um, the thing that I noticed about um, about Brendan Conley, obviously, he's averaging probably the same amount of points uh, as like Matt Becker uh, did last season, but um, it was more of his like his uh, penalty minutes that seemed to kind of stick out for me. So I think they'd said that I think. Uh, some Belfast fans weren't too bored about him leaving because they they thought he was like a, a bit of a liability. But um, I wonder if it's just down to the fact that there's over 150 penalty minutes there last season. And I think by all accounts he is that kind of player. He's quite quite a, a gritty player and uh, won't hesitate to drop the gloves if if need be. Yeah, he's uh, he's quite an ugly guy. As well, that's the first thing that struck me. That maybe hasn't been mentioned, and I don't really know uh, if we're going down a, a 
a less handsome group this year uh, compared mm. to previous years. Um, but I guess it's not, it's not all about looks with these guys. <laughs> no, I think when you take away the hundred, what is it, 154 yeah. penalty minutes from last year, these mm. top guys average, what, maybe 20-odd minutes a game, something like that. Yeah. Uh, at most half an hour, I'd have thought, but probably not not at this level. So mm-hmm. give that 20 minutes, you've got approximately eight, eight games worth of shifts technically missed Yeah. Uh, in terms of penalties. It was off the ice. So you look at that points return. Uh, this is a basically a nonsense stat, but I guess you could say it's from 45 games rather than 53 that he's getting uh, that many points and that's that's a good return I'll take I'll take that again uh, even if he's if he's going to be that guy who maybe annoys you every so often with a few a few penalties but getting the points uh, on that top line could be crucial yeah definitely um, I think he's obviously been brought in with, with that in mind I think Pete Russell will know uh, obviously, I haven't seen him last season as well. We'll know what kind of player he is. Obviously, he's looking to see where he's going to fit into our system. And um, like you said, probable top line uh, centre. I would have thought that's the other thing as well. Actually, he's he has another centre. So, so we we're speaking about it must be must be running on five or six lines, maybe. Aye. So one eight. Peter also be saying one eight is going to need to play out of position here, boys. Uh, Mm. And I'd imagine you've got uh, Mister Pitt will be stuck on for that top top center. So I don't I don't really remember. Uh, I remember Connolly. I remember Connolly, but I don't yeah. remember if he played center or not against us. Uh, I'd have to look back, but I don't really recall him taking many face-offs. But that's that's a difficult thing to remember anyway. Uh, so whether he's is he going to play centre? Is he going to centre the second line, or is he going to move, move out to the wing? Whatever. Uh, I don't know. We've not really had many clues about that yet, uh, and and you don't know until they, until they line up really for the first time. Yeah, I know that's a funny. You mentioned the face-off thing because it just reminded me of how bad our face-off was last season. So, I mean, you've obviously got guys in now that you would think would be able to would be able to see that, okay. Um that was definitely a, a definitely an issue for his last season. I think probably over the whole course of the season we must have won maybe about I'd probably say it was less than ten percent of all face offs. It's it's a, a huge thing as well. I don't really know why why it's never never mentioned as much that having possession certainly I think when you're killing <clears throat> Killing penalties, especially in your defensive zone, is uh, another what fifteen seconds or so off every kill. Do you win that face-off? Yeah, no, definitely. It's a it's a huge factor. Um, there's no doubt. I think as well, it was kind of was a bit of a subdued signing. I, I, I felt obviously given that the it happened on the same day of the the name change and stuff. So I felt like it was a bit. So overshadowed by that. <clears throat> so in terms of 
you know, he's he is a, a, a top, uh, or he was a top player in, in the league last season, and hopefully he can he can be again this season. Yeah, if if he's sneaking under the radar in terms of his signing, then maybe he'll kind of go a bit under the radar when he plays and rack up those points again. Um, Just that, hoping. That would definitely be good. But yeah, I mean, some really, a really good player and places he's played and stuff like that, so I don't expect anything less from him, really. Then it was an addition to the defensive core, I guess you could say. And it was um, Big Tyson Wilson. <laughs> Funny name to say. Uh, 27 year old Canadian, and he comes in uh, from, well, primarily Brampton Beast in East Coast League, but did have a game on loan at Laval Rocket. But don't really think we can take much from that. Uh, seems to be a good player from all accounts. Willie. Will he be that stay-at-home guy, uh, or will he be kind of sort of two-way? I'd like to think more of a stay-at-home. Yeah, I think so. Um, it's, it's obviously difficult to judge, and you kind of look for uh, if you're looking at stay-at-home demon. Normally, you would think there's a big physical guys, and he's not like he's not too much of a physical uh, sort of stature, but. I guess well, I guess he is in a way, but in terms of in terms of height and stuff, um, as well. So I think he probably will be a a sort of stay at home guy. Um, but I think he can have that sort of offensive upside to to his game as well. And you can see just from the well, just from his silly prospects page, so the number of assists that he gets per season is is kind of up there. Um, as well, so that's perhaps a, an upside to his game. Yep, that's that's definitely an advantage. And if he is the defensive guy that we've been looking for, then eh, all the better if you come up with a couple of those assists. And it's hard yeah. to judge. You can't really tell what an assist's like just on paper, sort of thing. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the junior career there was a season there where they kind of averaged a point a game almost. Uh, and then you're looking more at sort of not half a point a game but a good handful of assists uh, and the odd goal so quite promising M- mixing that known league experience with some new guys I think is a good way to go or seems to be at the, at the moment happy with, with how it looks Yeah I think overall I'm pretty happy with that signing uh, obviously it's difficult to say until you see these guys play, but I think he'll come in and he'll do a, he'll do a job for us. Um, whether it be a kind of stay-at-home guy or if he plays that sort of offensive role. And uh, in terms of the team itself, then that leaves probably I don't know. Is it there's one defenseman still to sign? We've like five at the moment, and what one forward? Or maybe two if we're carrying an extra, but probably just one. Yeah, uh, I'd say probably one of each. Yeah, seems to be what it's looking like. Um, Do feel well though that um, particularly in, in the D, there seems to be a lot of left-sided or left left shot players. So we'll probably look to to bring in another right-sided player just 
taking a bounce out. Yeah, I mean we've got Sully. Sully is right-handed, a right shot, yeah. uh, and he's the only one at the moment. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. Right. But else is left there. Yeah. And you'll see how it goes. It's not. I don't think it's a be all and end all, but um, it certainly adds a a different dimension, probably depending on the way you play. Yeah. So I, I think they'll probably be coming up in the next couple of weeks. I'd have thought, and it will be nice to have a full team going into the the training and the first friendly games, so that yeah. it gives the coach a chance to to work on things without having to then shift it again when different guys come in. Because last year it was just like yeah. that completely. Yeah. No, definitely. I think that was uh, what was required from from Pete Russell this this year. Uh, I think like, I've been saying it for the past uh, few years, but I do feel like you need like in order to get these guys in working properly uh, and kind of set up in the right kind of system that you want to play. You need to get them in early. So um, it's good that the, the team are finally doing that this time round. Yep. Yeah. I agree. Um, so the team themselves or the organisation then underwent a a pretty big change, but it was something that a lot of people predicted. I think we did as well last week, um, and it was a a name a name change, and with that came a a logo change. So now known as a Glasgow Clan. What were, what were your initial reactions to that? To the to the name Glasgow Clan. Yeah, to the name. Yeah. I guess I thought that's what it was going to be. From from the announcement, but I would probably rather seen a full name change. Um, but I get I also get why they've kept uh, the clan part in it. But I don't know. I just I would have preferred a full total rebrand kind of thing. And I guess I have done that other than the, the sort of clan part, but. I felt like a full a full name was probably better required, but I'm happy enough with uh, with the change to Glasgow. I think it just opens a, a lot more doors to so advertisements and sponsors and all that stuff, and hopefully it'll help bring in some some uh, some more good caliber players. Yeah, I think that's the main thing really with it, um, and maybe they've just they've they've gone the other way where they've thought that the clan part is sort of synonymous so we're going to stick with that I, I'm sort of not really fussed with it either way I think, did you see the Facebook live event at all? No, I didn't get a chance to see it There was Jerry Jerry who's taken over like the sort of brand stuff uh, and the marketing side of things I believe but he was right. t- telling a story, do you remember TJ Keg? Yes. He was telling a story about how when he came with Fife to Brayhead Arena uh, at the end of the game when he was interviewing him, he was surprised that Brayhead was in Glasgow uh, and that the whole sort of setup was in Glasgow. So that's how they framed an example of guys not knowing that it's in Glasgow. Um, Uh I kind of... sort of get that I do get that actually but then I also think surely you're doing your research as a player um, it's not 
you're getting a phone call from a, a team that wants you to play for them. They're called this. This is where we play. I don't think it's... Maybe it's more from the other point of view where agents are looking for teams for their own players. Uh, and they're looking and saying, oh, this, this team plays in Glasgow, whatever. I don't know. So yeah. that story's always kind of been a bit weird one, a weird one with me. Yeah, I kind of agree as well. It's a bit strange. I feel like um, if you are the club as well and you're not you're not selling the fact that it's close to Glasgow, then what's what's the point? Do you know what I mean? So like, obviously it's called Brayhead, but if you're looking for players and you're not sort of explaining to them that it's within Glasgow, then what's what's the point? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it, it's it's not really a very good job. So I'm trying to try and bring players in and not telling them where it is, but. But yeah, I do feel like there's a, there's a bit of that and there is a bit of the uh, player side of it where you're like, you don't want to find out where you're going. Yeah. <laughs> it just seems a bit, yeah. I don't know, yeah. maybe it's just me. It, it must just, it must, the main thing must just be the sort of initial contact and showing of interest thing. Because as soon as you speak to a player, you're going to explain it and as soon as they look into it, you'd think they'd find out. But um. Yeah, having that association, I guess, can't can't really be a bad thing with with Glasgow. So, fair enough. It's not it's not going to do any harm. I think hopefully it'll help in in some way. Probably the more controversial change was the logo. Particularly for the podcast, anyway. Particularly for the podcast, yeah. Somebody's going to need to fire up uh, some sort of cheap editor again, and. <laughs> create an our logo but maybe just for cool purposes we should stick with the old shiter. Uh, I think it's that's probably the popular opinion. I think it's better than the old one. Uh, not amazing, but really in all honesty I don't it doesn't really bother me that much. No, I know I'm, I'm kinda of the same. I kinda of feel the same I think. It is a it is a bit better than the last one. If you if you kinda if you if you focus on that, but to be honest, I wasn't really bothered about the the old logo. Although thinking back on it now, it is a bit of a shiter the old logo. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is a real shiter, yeah. It's a total shiter, yeah. But it never really bothered me at the time, and I think I don't think it would have bothered me as much having just kept the logo and just changed the the bread bit to Glasgow, but. Um, no, I can I can see why they've done it. They're obviously wanting to give a total new rebrand kind of thing. Um, but I, I don't know. I was I, I was underwhelmed with the badge. I think I just don't think it. I don't know how it's going to look on a jersey. That's the thing. I they, just think it's going to look strange on on a jersey. They did post some pictures of Clangus wearing it. I think. Right. I don't know if that was like if that was a new jersey or. Right. Yeah. I don't know if that was just a preview. Or the actual one, that's true. I mean it, it's they're really obviously pushing the whole Scotland thing. To to the edge. To the, to, to the edge, yeah. I mean the only team in Scotland sort of thing, I'm sure. Fife <laughs> and Dundee will be, be loving that, but um Yeah. See where they're trying to go. I don't care too much. Uh I know that's not that's not really that controversial, but again for me, if the team plays well, they could be wearing the badge could be a massive shite. 
Maybe I would be alright. Just that. A, a massive shake the hockey stick sticking out it. A wee shite emoji. <laughs> See, that'd be good. I'd quite like that. Or like just to make it three, like three hockey pucks. We just saw uh, varying sizes, so they kind of. <laughs> oh yeah. Shape. Yeah, I see what you mean. Uh, and it could be, could be the Glasgow pan, and it's just a, just a, <laughs> just a wee toilet. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's one of those things. It is what it is. Is probably the best way to put it for me. I'll get used to it and I'll forget it even changed, to be honest. Unless the team's shite up. <laughs> the whole logo and the name will just be the only thing that's mentioned. <laughs> yeah, I know, probably. I've seen the new the new uh, Socky jerseys, though. They look pretty good. Yep. Yeah, I saw they were modelled by um, James McFadden. Matt Haywood, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, legendary Matt Haywood. Yeah. Of course. Sorry, no. I was just going to say that would be good for when we play a French team uh, that we got McFadden in so that we can score goals <laughs> from the halfway line. Bring them on, yeah. They look Should good. I like, I like the socky. I like the socky idea, so I'm all for that. And yeah. maybe maybe it's going to be a, a kind of refreshing look at a lot of the merchandise. Here's hoping. Yeah. What's going to happen with the, all the hats that people have bought? Are they going to give it a free logo sticker to put over the top. <laughs> a free em- embroidery patch and just get somebody to stitch it on. Yeah, custom sports stitcher over there. Yeah. Yeah, is, it, is there anything else you want to say on the, the rebranding? Probably not at, at the moment. No, I think I think overall they've done a good job with it. I think, I think it probably needed to be done. I would say in there was no better opportunity to do it than after last season, uh, given how, how shite we were. So I feel like the timing of it was okay. Maybe it happened a couple of seasons ago, but um, I think given the season that we just had, it was good to have a, another fresh new start. And um, perhaps this is a, a new dawn, a new day and a new clan. <laughs> yeah, exactly that. Again. Yeah. It, yeah, I mean, it seems like quite a positive start from that point of view, so we'll see how that translates onto the ice, which is what basically everyone cares about, I would say. So, I guess elsewhere in the league then, yeah. um, there have been a few signings, a few returnees, uh, we're just doing our usual uh, elite prospects uh, scanning, uh, but just in terms of guys returning at quite a big move was that Cardiff yesterday I think re-signing um, Ulmer, Farina and Myers yeah. and I think they announced their first new signing so they're big on bringing back past teams and why not given the success they've had but they signed a guy called Mike Hedden who looks looks really good um, but yeah that that formula of signing as such a successful team getting them back for that'll be probably the third year for a lot of those guys is is not doing them any harm at all no definitely not um, why change a, a sort of winning formula so you can see why they're doing it I just wonder for the in terms of the rest of the league how good it is because obviously these guys have performed really well the past sort of three seasons I would guess now um, but obviously it's up to it's up to the other teams in the league to 
to step up their game. So, no, I mean, it's, it's good, obviously, for, for Cardiff fans, but I felt, like, I think, did you listen to the Purple Army podcast? Yeah, I did, yeah. And they were talking about um, bringing Justin Farina to the clan. I thought that was, I thought that would be like a perfect um, sort of fit to sort of tie up our forward line. Yeah. Um, and then, obviously, it doesn't happen, but definitely I would, I would agree so someone of that kind of ilk to come in and sort of tie up the forward line for us. But, uh, no, definitely it's three good returning players for for Cardiff, obviously, Lane Omer, drawing comparisons with, with Jeff Omer when, when uh, we signed him. Obviously, signed the wrong guy, but, and then obviously, uh, Matt Myers, you, you know what you're getting with this guy, so... No, three, three really good uh, returnees for, for Cardiff. Yeah, and, and that matching uh, matching with Ben Bounds and Richards and stuff going back um, is yeah. always always going to be formidable, so it is up to the other teams to catch up, I think. Uh, so where, where did we get to? We got to, I think we discussed Shane Stockton, did we, last week? Uh, yeah, I think so. Not too much, then, other than... No, uh, I guess... A couple of players in that list are known to the league uh, already. Uh, Nicky Forrick signing for Coventry, played for Nottingham a couple of years ago. Super small, but quite a skillful agitator kind of guy. So it joins a, a list of current or past annoying Coventry players. <laughs> yeah, there's no shortage of them, so seems to fit the bill well. well he's 34 now. Yeah, a bit older. A bit older, yeah, so... But I don't know if it'll slow him down any. He seems to roughly average about a point a game, probably over his over his whole career. And, um, not his career. France. No, not his career. Have to get in. No, okay. Coming from, uh, from France last year, and obviously played with Nottingham before that, so they all know what, what, he can, what he can do and what he can bring to the team. Yeah, yeah. Um... Uh, a wee signing for Dundee sneaking in there uh, a guy who kind of sounds like the type of signing Dundee would make they do like a wee Italian link sounds like the kind of guy that would sort of deliver your lasagna yeah Fabrizio Ricci yeah um, but he'll definitely be Scottish but he'll put on an accent like like most I would say probably 80% of staff that work in Italian restaurants and they, they always seem to put on a put on an accent when they're bringing their bringing your meal out to you they, you might find them in one of those unnamed restaurants uh, and you'll certainly notice them because he's 6 feet 2 and only 23 um, and kind of all of Dundee's signings sort of always excite me a wee bit because I generally think Pasha I know we've said it but he yeah. always finds these, always brings these young college guys, and I don't really remember many of them not doing that well. So I reckon this guy will be no different. A guy with size and uh, probably score a good few points for them. Sort of almost the kind of guy that we're looking for. I think in a bad way, if we signed that sort of guy, it'd probably get a bad reception, but I think, I reckon he'll do well. I just mean in terms of. A forward, maybe not a power forward, but someday a bit bigger. Yeah. I don't know if he's a physical player, but <coughs> yeah, I always like 
likes seeing a wee Pasha signing. Yeah, definitely. Um, we will bring that sort of physical aspect to, to Dundee. Um, yeah, I mean, we've said it tons of times before, but Pasha bringing these guys in, it is, it is exciting to, uh, to see these guys when, when they finally come over and uh, start playing. But, you know, this could be, could be a, real, a real find for Dundee. Yep. One to be, one to be watched. Fabrizio uh, Ricci. Exactly like that. Uh, okay. Uh, are we? Are we saying? May just do the rest of the podcast and like an that, Italian accent. Like that, yeah. Especially, especially those names that don't sound Italian. It's even harder. Guilford uh, <laughs> adding to their forward line with um, Evan Janssen and uh, Milton Keynes signing a. A Latvian, George Golovkovs. No, yes, yes, Golovkovs. Golovkovs. Uh, yeah. Guilford, obviously, as we know, pretty dangerous group of forwards. So uh, this guy, a bit younger, we not really quite got uh, that top level pro experience yet. So not really much that we can judge about him. But playing with that quality, a guy around him. Yeah, it would definitely bring out the best in him. Yeah, I think so. Um, just kind of looking at his CV, he does look like a like an exciting young young guy. Uh, obviously, spent four years at University of Denver, and he finally got a, a alternate captain on in his last year. So, um, and then obviously went on to to play in the ECHL with a, a brief stint in the AHL. Yeah. But it definitely seems to have like held his own, particularly in in, his, in the the AHL and throughout uni. So I think he'll be a he'll be a top guy. Um, but yeah, the, I guess the only worry is that he's a, a wee bit young and not really had much in the way of pro experience. But seems to have handled it pretty well last year. Yeah, we've got um, our Latvian friend then George Golovkovs signing for Milton Keynes. I have to say, Milton Keynes, uh, or, sorry, people might not know what I'm talking about there, Milton, <laughs> obviously a change of a change of coach and stuff this year. I've not really been paying too much attention to them. They're sort of sneaking under the radar. A fair few, maybe, untested sort of guys coming in there, and uh, he's certainly no different, 22-year-old Latvian. Um, not really got too much sort of professional exciting experience you could say but some KHL games and to play in that you know you have to be at a decent level yeah definitely he's played a wee bit in Latvia as well um, but yeah not too much in the way of sort of professional games but um, well they just kind of see what happens but you don't get to play in the KHL unless you get talent so um I think to be able to say that you've played in the cage when you're twenty years old is pretty good. So no, I think I think this guy will be be fresh to the league. He'll be a, um, again something something we don't really see too much of is a lot of Latvian players coming over. So um, no, it'll be, it'll be good to see him. Uh, who knows what he'll be able to to bring to to Milton? But I trust that they they'll know what they're what they're doing down there and the kind of younger guys that they're bringing in uh, to help the team. We've got uh, a guy with a cool name, 
moving to Sheffield from DL2. Uh, Justin Buzzell. Or maybe it's Buzzell. Buzzell. Uh, but he'll be, they'll be buzzing to get him. <laughs> uh, some good experience in the East Coast League previous to previous to that. You've got to expect this guy to be to be a good player. Um, we've obviously had some experience of getting players from the, the DEL too and some of that's been successful, some of it not so much, but generally a guy who does well on the East Coast um, translates pretty well over here with a few few exceptions. Yeah, I would say so. Um, the, a brief stint in the, the e-bell. I'm just going to use the e-bell now, I think. Um, yeah. With with uh, Graz, so um, seemed to perform pretty well there. Um, and obviously spent half that, well, probably two thirds of the two thirds of the year last year with them, and then so the last third uh, in the DL too. Um, but yeah, as you say, he's had a, a few seasons of East Coast uh, league experience under him before that, and uh, again come through the uni systems in North America, so. That'll be interesting to see what this guy uh, can bring to the table. Obviously, Sheffield going down a slightly different route as well this time round. Yeah, it looks like they'll only have one one returning input. So, a new look Sheffield to hate. Yeah. Nottingham doing their, their usual, going out and signing guys who look really good. <laughs> <laughs> Big Alex Gupto. 26-year-old Canadian, 6 feet 3, forward. Uh, some really good experience already. Drafted 77 overall, 2010 by Dallas. Maybe not a huge guy historically for point production, although did have a good good return in the East Coast last year. But Nottingham, as I said, do like to bring in a, a top CV guy. Um, and a lot of the time they, they get that right. Yeah, I think the only worry for me that is these moved to about ten different teams in the last two years. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. So I, I don't know if that. I mean, I don't really know how it works in uh, these close league, but uh, I don't know if, if you're if you're kind of doing that, then what does that say about the the guy or the person kind of thing? But you can't really dig too deep into that, but. Yeah, obviously he's, he's been drafting the third round uh, in the NHL draft, so he, he's obviously got talent in, in abundance and uh, hopefully Nottingham will be able to get the best out of him. Yeah, some British player movement in the shape of Jonathan Boxall going from Milton Keynes to... going from Milton to <laughs> Belfast, where they did did play before so familiar surroundings um, a guy that really has a, a good sort of I would say almost a Barry McKenzie role but um, slightly higher level penalty killer and good all round agitator who's been proven in this league um, and obviously Belfast see him as someone who can uh, fulfil that with them again yeah definitely you've said it all really it's not really too much for me to add to that other than maybe you would say his point production in the last couple of seasons has gone down a bit compared with his time at Nottingham but 
I guess it just depends where or the kind of role that he's been played in. If, like you say, he's been played in that sort of Barry McKenzie role where he's coming out for the penalty kill and stuff a lot of the time, then you're not going to see a lot of point production from him. So, um, no, he's, he's obviously a good standard of Brit. Um, and I'm sure Belfast will be happy to have him back. A couple of departures from the league and two pretty big ones, I would say. Firstly, Sheffield losing John Armstrong, going to KHL, I think, Memphis um, Jack Zagreb. And uh, I did I did really like John Armstrong. I think Sheffield, if I remember rightly, brought him in two, two years ago. He's played two years in Sheffield. His last year he had some bad injuries, but a uh, really good player. Um, drafted, I think, as well. Really tall, good in the face-off circle. Um, so they'll they'll definitely miss him. Yeah, I think so. Uh, likewise, drafted round three, um, two thousand six NHL draft. Um, I noticed as well that he went to he went to Peterborough Peets, which is where Liam Kirk is. Right. Um, and he was captain there, eight season. So I wonder if he'll if uh, if Kirkie will begin him any any phone calls asking about what Peterborough's like. <laughs> Yeah, and he'll tell him just, why don't you just drive there? It's only about five minutes from <laughs> Sheffield. Yeah, exactly. No, I think he'll be, he'll be a big miss, I think, for Sheffield. Yeah, and he was injured a bit last season, but still, you know, kind of averaging that sort of point of game that you, that you kind of want from, from most of your forwards, I would say. Yeah, I think he would be one of their number one bring-back targets, so disappointment to lose him. Um, yeah. But as we said, only one returnee there, so well, I think they'd kind of accepted that that was going to happen, but it's just a case of the news coming out. Belfast themselves losing uh, Sebastian Silvest, who is a, a great example of a guy who's been successful in the East Coast League and then came over here and been uh, excellent as well. Yeah, one of their top point scorers, I think, although not as many points as Connolly, interestingly but also racked up the, the penalty minutes, yeah. which is funny. So there's there's a, an obvious trend there of Belfast having a lot of points and a lot of penalty minutes. Um, that by far the most he's had. He had 100 at, uh, in the East Coast League the, the year before, but 152 penalty minutes is a lot for a forward. Yeah, that, that is a lot. Um, very similar to, to Cornley in terms of uh, points and penalty minutes there, so... I guess it kind of goes to show why Belfast were sort of a bit poor defensively last season if all these guys are constantly on the penalty kill. But um, no, he was obviously a very talented uh, player. I seem to remember him quite well uh, when he played against us. Um, so a big guy. Um, wasn't like, I don't know, I just can always associate these guys, like you're kind of, top point scorers is these kind of smaller guys and like to cut in from the side and stuff but fairly big guy for yeah he was yeah. racking up the the kind of the scores that he did so yeah he'll definitely be a miss for, for Belfast that's for sure yeah I said KHL I think there I'm sure Medvedev Zagreb were in the KHL but they're now in you're aptly named Ebel so but again somebody's used the, the league as a stepping stone in terms of a big move so fair yeah. play to him um, see yeah. 
see what Belfast are like next year with their uh, softly, softly, softly nice guys approach. <laughs> which is definitely not what will happen because Adam Keefe's their coach, so he won't stand for that. Only, well, we kind of briefly touched upon Hedden going to Cardiff, being their first re-sign. He, he's an exciting prospect, but the other two we've, we've still to, to mention. Vero Paul, who was a real kind of arsehole agitator guy <laughs> at Milton. Yeah. Going to Milano, is that... I imagine that is actually Milan in Italy. Uh, I believe so, yeah. They play in that they play in the Alps League, so yep. yeah, he'll definitely be a a big miss to to Milton. Um yeah, just he did seem to kinda of stick out um for us I think anytime we played with Milton that um just seemed to be all over the place and like that that kind of agitator and would often score and definitely get rack up the points against us last year. Yeah, fifty-eight points in forty-nine games, um, and then again, hundred and sixty-eight penalty minutes. So, yeah. leagues kind of there are a lot of movement of these sort of similar guys. Um, so, yeah, he's uh, he's that player that you'd probably all like to have in your team, uh, but nobody wants to play against. So, um, a big loss for them, but that that ownership change is probably what's forced a lot of these guys to look for other other opportunities. Yeah. The final final bit of player interest that I was gonna cover was uh, well known elite league forward Chris Lawrence who has uh, rejoined Sheffield after stints with uh, well Dundee Dundee captain last year uh, and then Nottingham the year before. Uh, although he was at Sheffield, <laughs> he's just been he's just been all over the place. Um, Does he know what he's doing? So? No, he doesn't. Had a a really bad injury last year at Dundee. I know that was was doing some sort of uni course, I think. Yeah. But just from all accounts and from what I've seen, it a really talented guy, but just annoys the fans of the teams that he plays on uh, for laziness and. I don't know. I remember my fondest memory last year was that face-off he took against Hamelainen. Do you remember it? But he just <laughs> he just sort of ran over the puck, skated over the puck, and just flattened Hamelainen. Yeah, yeah. Uh, becoming a bit of a league journeyman, but Sheffield, I think I'd said to you, sort of disguising the hate that they were getting by saying he's been bought for a a fourth line role, uh, so he'll, he'll fit there well. But whether whether he knows that or not it's a different matter. But, but yeah, well he's 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 apparently been told that whether he'll enjoy <laughs> doing that all season, uh, if he doesn't move up the lines, who knows? I I don't know. It's definitely a weird, a weird signing for me, given you know what what we've seen from him. Obviously, there's there's been seasons where he has been really good, but they were they were mainly at Nottingham, so. Um, and obviously you can't really forgive him for being injured for most of the year last year, but yeah, I don't know. Just definitely an, an underwhelming signing, I think, if you're a if you're a Steelers fan. Yeah, I think it's just the familiarity with the guy. Yeah. If you'd have bought, brought in somebody like that who you didn't know and you looked at the CV, you'd have thought, well, this pretty talented guy. 
it's maybe not quite worked out for him because he's played at a really high level. Um, yeah. And he's got all the attributes, really. He's huge. I think he's something like 6'3 or 6'4. Really good um, normally in face-offs and things. So for a fourth line, that's the sort of guy you want. It's just the baggage that comes with it. Yeah, no, that's the thing. We can see what, what happens with him. Yep. See how many teams he ends up on this year. Yeah, it was a gamble from Pasha last year, I think, that kind of backfired. So, yeah, we'll see. Um, but, yeah, I think that's us... Um, Exhausted our, our hockey stuff, and I propose we, we look at the, the knockout Fitma. Fitma, sure thing. So, what have we got? Where did we get to? Did we uh, start talking about the round of 16? I think so. I think we discussed the France and the Uruguay games because, sorry, the, the only games that we didn't uh, discuss were the the Belgium and Japan game, which was on while we were recording yeah, last week. that's what it was, yeah. And then the two Tuesday games, which were Sweden against Switzerland and, and uh, Colombia against England. Yep. Well, I guess, what what are your your thoughts on those? Take it away. <laughs> I was definitely surprised to, to see when, when I got to the pub last Monday, walked through the door, and J- uh, Japan had scored their second goal against Belgium. And I thought that's that's curtains for for Belgium's tournament. Uh, just you know, kind of thinking what a, what a massive disappointment that would be uh, to go out to to Japan the way the way that they did or appeared to be the way that they were playing in the first half. But no, definitely it was a, a different team in the second half, and uh, obviously managed to to claw it back to two each, and then a sort of blunder. It's a squad blunder towards the end where it's, <laughs> it's a funny way to put it <laughs> where it just seemed as though there was there was nobody tracking back and you know that uh, Japan players were kind of dead on their feet and left it for, for Belgium to, to sort of be able to get the winner in, in injury time um, two, I feel like two I'm just going to say two belters from Japan I think it has to be said uh, yeah, definitely. Goals, yeah. Really good goals. Yeah, definitely. But also, I think. So I'm assuming that Chadley came on in that game. Chadley and Fellaini came on at half time, yeah. Yeah, ah, that's what it was, yeah. Because I think people were mourning about uh, why would you bring those two on when you're chasing the game? But um, obviously, it turned out to be two, two of the goal scorers. So whether he meant that, Martinez or not, is. Another matter, but I think the f- the fresh legs of Chadley definitely made it easier for him to to be able to go through and, and get that winner in the end. Agreed. I think I think I had Belgium. Obviously, most people had Belgium to win that more comfortably, but it just shows you. Uh, maybe that's a sign that this this could be their their year coming back from that deficit. Um, hadn't really seen that sort of fighting spirit from the past, so. Uh, who yeah. knows? They're probably, given we'll touch on the quarter final results, I'd say they are potentially sitting as favourites out of the four semi finalists at the moment, but that's up for debate, I guess. Yep. Two games on Tuesday then. Uh, Sweden well, a narrow victory against Switzerland uh, in a game that I thought would have been pretty much incapable of being able to pick a winner. 
I just thought it was it was destined to go to to extra time that game. But Sweden managed to get to get the goal sort of midway through the second half. Um, I don't know. I feel like having watched it, I feel like Sweden were probably the better team out of the two overall. Um, and then obviously we know what happens the game after that. But um, for that game in particular, I felt like they they did deserve to go through. What was the what was the goal like again? That one of sort of memory's gone blank. Forsberg one. Deflection wasn't it? Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay, got you. Yeah, yeah. They probably just just about deserved to shade that one. That big deflection always always helps. Yeah, definitely. I felt like it was go- it was only going to be a goal like that that would have um, probably separated the teams. Although I did feel that Sweden were a bit better. Um, and then obviously there's the. Columbia and England game. You want to talk us through that one? Well, yeah, I mean, I watched that. I didn't see that one live. I watched it back. Um, and I think England, again, weren't weren't really that impressive. Uh, took the lead with the, the Kane penalty, wasn't it? Yeah. And then, well, Colombia probably deservedly scoring, maybe left up slightly later than they they would have would have wanted, but big Mina, uh, just showing Mina, Mina showing <laughs> just how dangerous he is from set pieces, and surprisingly, given how good England have been from set pieces, um, conceding that conceding that equaliser and that, almost the first sort of period of extra time, you thought is that totally taking the wind out England sails and Colombia maybe looked like they were gonna push on uh, although England came back into it towards the end of that extra half hour uh, but then the penalties were a bit of a roller coaster. yeah they, they definitely were I mean it's just uh, heartbreak, kind of heartbreaking to talk about but obviously Henderson missing his penalty uh, and Colombia take, taking the lead you just you thought that was it Obviously, given England's record in penalty shootouts previously, I think they'd won one out of the last seven or eight or something, maybe. Yeah. So, obviously, with that in mind, you're thinking, right, that's definitely in the minds of the players as well. And then, I think it was Uribe uh, hit, hit the bar for for Colombia. And, and England, obviously, managed to get back into that point. And, uh, obviously, the rest is uh, history. Yeah. Yeah, they... They'll have taken a lot from being able to finally win on penalties. Um, yeah. And their their reward from that was a, a tie against Sweden. And I think on that, they were just a bit too good for Sweden in the end, who really didn't show up, in my opinion, at all. I thought they'd have uh, put up much more of a fight. Yeah, definitely. Um, I agree. I didn't think that they uh, showed the same sort of fight and desire that they had done throughout the tournament. And obviously England just capitalised on that and thoroughly deserved uh, to go through. Yeah, I don't know, just a disappointment from, from Sweden overall in that game. I wonder if um, they lost a big big Mikael Lustig, who's what swayed it. Yeah, well, it's uh, potentially a factor. But every single set-piece England looked as though they were going to score. And then, yeah, Sweden just didn't, didn't really defend at all, so... Uh, a bit of a washout that one, and they'll play the winners of 
Russia and Croatia, which finished with uh, another penalty shootout. This time, Croatia just sneaking it. Yeah. Uh, I think maybe a lot of people had Croatia going in into that game as favourites, but Russia never really gave up. And in the end, a, a close one, I think. Maybe Croatia just edged it, but you wouldn't have been able to complain too much if, if Russia had got through it, because I don't think Croatia ever reached their top gear either. No, no, I'd probably agree with that. Um, although I think <laughs> I think if, uh, if Croatia can manage to beat uh, a certain uh, drug-fueled Russian team, then surely England will be, will be no bother for them. Yeah, well, it all depends on their, uh, their big players, really. If, <coughs> if you look at both squads, Croatia and England... Maybe England just depth-wise, I've got a bit more about them, but if you get a, a Luka Modric and a Rakitic, etc., who are on top of their game, then they'll uh, make it a bit more difficult, you hope, for England. Yeah, I think so. It'll definitely, it'll definitely be England's uh, toughest game, I would say, of the tournament, yeah. And I don't know that's kind of obvious to say if it's a semi-final or World Cup, but obviously given the, given the path that they've had, uh, to this stage they've managed to avoid some, some big teams so see how they cope with with a, a decent team yep and the other quarter finals we had Uruguay against France uh, and I think Uruguay probably had their biggest blow before it even started when it when it uh, became apparent that Cavani wasn't going to be playing that would definitely give him France a boost and 2-0 in the end I think they were Fairly comfortable. Yeah, definitely appeared to be uh, comfortable. And obviously Cavani is a, a massive miss uh, there for Uruguay. And I think it showed during the game. I think Christian Stuani came in in place of him. And I thought he was actually all right, but just obviously he's not providing the same sort of play as, as, as Cavani would have. Um, and obviously France uh, capitalised on that and I did feel though that Uruguay managed to keep uh, Kelly Mbappe a bit quieter than in the Argentina game. Yeah, yeah, bit more they're sort of more defensively minded than Argentina, I guess. So tactically, yeah, sort of stifled him a bit more, uh, and and you can't really account for the goalkeeping error, error for the oh yeah the second goal that was a a carious, the second but. <laughs> Yeah, it just shows, I think, uh, Lloris for France had made a, a great save just not long before that, so it's these kind of things that make, make yeah. a difference. Yeah, definitely. Plus, Gary Neville's commentary on that was hilarious. We had Brazil-Belgium in the last quarter-final, and that that produced, well, more Neymar antics. I think, although Brazil kind of came back into it after they scored... Belgium were two 0 weren't they? Uh, yeah. Second goal, especially De Bruyne's, was was really good. What was the first again? Fernandinho. Lukaku made the made a good run, didn't he? For the or was that for De Bruyne? That was for De Bruyne's goal. I think it was an odd stuff flick. They flick it on his head, maybe. Ah, Fernandinho. yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, you're right. Yeah, it was a corner, and it was an own goal. Yeah. Yeah. You're right, yeah. Yeah, so probably again Belgium deserved to win that for me. Uh, 
although as I said, Brazil kind of came back into it, but yeah. they never really had that carried that threat that you thought uh, even Japan did in, in the game before that where in the first half they looked Belgium were sort of all over the place it wasn't quite the same uh, sort of got it together a wee bit yeah no definitely and I, I said before it's difficult to get behind a Brazil team where, where Neymar's in it so no I, I, I feel like Belgium were, were the better team overall um, and sets up a Sets up a cracking semi-final. Yeah, France and Belgium. Uh, we sort of touched upon Croatia and England, but France and Belgium, that's definitely the one to watch. I would and have put Belgium's slight favourites there, but I think certainly both teams will score. And it just depends, really. You've got big players on both teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you get the likes of Mbappé, having a good game then he's definitely going to cause Belgium problems they're not the fastest at the back you know um, company I assume will play in Vertonghen Alderweireld uh, so Mbappe etc and Griezmann can hurt them but then at the same time one is one of them not suspended for the game one of the Belgian defenders yeah maybe will, will, to will Boyata be coming in then who knows Maybe Big Dedrick will get a get a call up. Yep. Well, that's quite interesting. Uh, I think it will come down to to the big players. You saw Lukaku had a good game, quarter final. Um, can he do it again? And uh, then obviously the keepers as well, avoiding hopefully avoiding any howlers because you don't like to see games decided on that sort of thing. No, definitely not. So who are you, who are you putting in the final one? I'm going, f- I'm going, uh, Belgium, England final. <laughs> I'm going France, Croatia. Right. Okay. Good. I do think it is like it could really be anything. I think that's the thing. Like, like there's no sort of clear cut favourite in in both games. I would say. Yeah. Yeah. You're probably right. I'm just sort of picking based on. The form that I'd seen. Yeah, and if it... Obviously, I'll be honest, I I don't want to see England win it. Uh, (laughs) Who does, really? Well, I'm sure a few million people do, but... um, I wouldn't be surprised if they beat Croatia. Would I then be surprised if they won the final? Probably not. Just, I don't know. But for me, it's going to be Belgium. Uh, Although, France equally... I think could could do it. But this this potentially the last last chance for Belgium's group of well, their golden generation of pe- as people have said, uh, yeah. to do it. I think maybe it looks like they're just, just about clicking into gear, so tough one. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, so it, uh, it's just out of the final four now, so there's always that that sad doubt in your mind that England could actually make the final and it's just unbearable to think of really. <laughs> yeah. On, and on that note, will we will we move on? We will. Yeah. Let's not think about it. To our uh, to our section. Yes. Yep. It's over to you to introduce. Right. Okay. We've come up with a, a new section, probably a one-off section, and uh, it's called "It's Coming Home." Obviously, based on the based on the the England anthem. 
personally, I would have gone with either we're on the ball or shout for England, but they seem to have gone down the it's coming home route again. So um, for the purposes of that, we're going to use that name for, for this uh, section. So basically what it is, it's coming home. And basically, Sam, I want to ask you about a time where you've been coming home and it's been the total worst experience of your life. Well, that could be that could be in terms of uh, like commute home from work or going back from holiday or something. I had a couple, and I have to be honest, I've maybe not had the shocking experiences that some other people have uh, have had, but um, one particularly quite recently, uh, coming home from a wedding in Eastern Europe. <laughs> um, not only was the company not great, but we <laughs> we also, for the first time ever, I've had to run full pelt through an airport. This time, Luton was the designated airport. And the reason it was so bad, we had uh, checked a gate and gone to that, that specified gate, only to be told that the gate had was not what we thought it was. So it was a... A Usain Bolt style, or do you remember uh, those airline programs? Yeah. We used to see people last call, it was like that, sprinting through, looking, getting to the flight, absolutely dripping, some of us close to death, uh, arriving <laughs> on the flight only to find out that was delayed anyway. Um, so that, that was a recent one, that wasn't great. I've also had a another experience in Luton actually we had a, a five hour delay in Luton once coming back from London they actually missed they missed the landing slot for Glasgow airport so had to be diverted to Presswick this is at about <laughs> one in the morning then from Presswick you get a bus to take you back to Glasgow airport where you should have been then you've got to go home from oh, there geez. so that's not great that and sounds then, horrendous this is not really coming home but it's coming to the destination that I was supposed to be at when I was in Amsterdam a few years ago uh, at a conference with with my work uh, I decided I went to go to an Ajax game straight from when I landed uh, so went there and it finished I think this was maybe a Saturday night or whatever uh, and missed or didn't have enough time really to look into the travel options so missed the trams and all this sort of stuff so it was a, an eight kilometre walk back from the stadium to the hotel. Uh, and it was through, like, not country roads, but paths that you maybe sort of barely lit paths that you wouldn't really even walk down in Glasgow. So I put myself through that. I don't really know why, but that wasn't a great one. So it was about an hour and a half's walk, an hour, an hour and a half's walk to get back to the hotel with not really knowing where I was going. Uh, so I guess that's that's coming home, but in a different sort of sense. Yeah. An eight-kilometre an eight walk, that's like a, a brisk evening walk for Kev. It is. Yeah, he would do that in about ten minutes. Loves that. Loves that shit. But I, uh, I didn't have the excuse of having a mental dug or anything with me. No. So, yeah. I didn't didn't really enjoy that one, you know that kind of European style unsavoury youth that you would see. 
Yeah. That I saw a lot of that. You weren't right. really sure what was going to happen, so didn't enjoy it. But uh, the game was good. Uh, getting no. to see Amsterdam Arena was good, so take that. That's that's all it matters. Yeah, but they're pretty good. I've only got one. No, it just kind of sticks out. It sticks out in my mind anyway. Have a particular commute home from work. One night when I uh, driving on the motorway, just joined the M74 from the M73, and uh, moved out to the to the outside lane to overtake. <laughs> <laughs> Have I told you this? No, I'm just laughing at the thought of it. No, okay. And uh, next thing, this this guy, and this, uh, I want to say it was a Ford Galaxy, but I can't actually remember now. But drives right up behind me. Mm-hmm. It's like flashing his lights and blasting his horn and stuff. So then, obviously, me being me, I just decided to slow down. Just annoying? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for some reason that's my natural reaction and that other than just to so I get out of the lane and let the guy through but so yeah anyway he he then undertakes me yep undertakes me pulls out to the outside lane and then slams his brakes on so obviously naturally I slam my brakes on and my heart's going at 100 mile an hour yep um, and then he sped off so then I started going at 100 mile an hour <laughs> to catch up with this guy because that was me I was just absolutely fuming at this point yeah <laughs> managed to get alongside him and then he, he rolled his window down so I rolled my I rolled mine down a wee bit as well just to see what he was gaining he was wanting me to pull over on the hard shoulder so that he could stab me on the side of the motorway that's uh, nice yeah seemed like, seemed like a nice guy um, <laughs> obviously I did not oblige so then just basically told him to fuck off and then he decided that he wanted to try and spit in my window but <laughs> and you, you just... do realise that people now listen to us will be thinking was it Jamie Carragher well that, yeah that's true and it's, it's a good question to ask but I can confirm that I was not on my phone at the time so it definitely wasn't uh, me and Jamie Carragher I actually forgot all about that I forgot that he did that um, that's a, a matter for another time perhaps but yeah no he, he tried to he tried to kind of spit in my window but I think he ended up just spitting inside his own car was that a big sticky one? <laughs> no idea didn't get any distance on it? no distance it was a shiter so that made me feel a bit better but and then I was I was coming off at the next junction anyway so yeah managed to continue on that was my that was my horrific and to a probably shite day at work as well. And you've not seen him since? Uh, I've not not knowingly seen him since. As I say, I can't even remember what car he was driving now, so a bit difficult, but yeah, just a total arsehole. Oh well, it's uh, not the kind of thing you need after a, a long, hard day at work, eh? Nah, definitely not. Um, but that's why it's um, that's why it's called It's Coming Home. <laughs> Is. If I think of any, if I think of any other uh, stories, particularly if England get put out, I will enjoy telling them, because uh, oh, that will be the only thing that's coming home. So I know. Let's let's hope so. Hopefully, this time next week when we record, it will be a case of uh, 
basically a three-hour podcast talking about England's downfall. Yeah, full analysis, minute by yeah. minute. Yeah, looking looking at videos of England fans celebrating in, in IKEA and sort of jumping up and down in cars and bus stops and all that. That'll be good. Yeah, only to find water cannons waiting outside. <laughs> Ready to go. We talked a bit, it was mentioned last week about uh, Akon <laughs> and his, uh, his, his, new con- his new city and currency. I had yep. a small think about this. I actually didn't want to make up a name of a currency because I knew it would be shite. But what I did think is that I would guarantee, and this always annoys me, I'd guarantee it had a shite exchange rate. <laughs> so that it's one yeah. of those currencies that when you go to get your money changed, it's like three three thousand seven hundred and twenty-three to one. <laughs> so that you end up with about fifty million worth in this currency. Uh, yeah. And that you feel absolutely shocking for walking into a shop when you get there with a five thousand note. <laughs> Just to buy a pack of chewing gum or something. That's not even getting you anything. Yeah. That's the point, actually. I, don't, I didn't actually come up with a, a currency name either. Because, likewise, I, I feel like it would just be too shy. So that, that is actually a, that's a, that's a point to make. You can maybe have an exchange rate so high that the notes have to be like double of the length. <laughs> the, no- <laughs> the notes are like toilet roll length. <laughs> you have to you have to roll them out. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a good idea. Just have like just have the notes rolled up like toilet paper. But it's just one note once it's all revealed. Yeah. Coming out the cash machine. It takes Try about to... ten minutes to dispense a tenner. <laughs> Try to fit it inside your wallet. <laughs> and it even gives you the wee cardboard roll inside as well at the end. Yeah. You don't get away without that. You gotta take that away with you. <laughs> uh, but no, that that would annoy that annoys me, so I think if I'm making up a currency, if I'm going to the effort, then everybody else is getting hammered. And it nobody would ever have it. It'd be so difficult to get as well. It wouldn't be your sort of euro euro popularity. It would be mm. we need to order that in for you level. <laughs> yeah. That would be so uh, I've never heard of that currency before in my life and then they go away and check it and realise it is something like that yeah uh, I just quickly on the the Acon thing obviously it's, uh, cryptocurrency is going to be called Acoin which is tremendous and I don't think either of us can be that but it's definitely much better than the the name of the city which is uh, it's just Acon Crypto City <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's shite. He's definitely just went, nah, fuck it, just uh, Acon uh, Crypto City or something. Yeah, he's, he's put all the effort into the currency there. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and then uh, he's given up. He was, uh, he was quoted, he was quoted in, a, in an article um, saying, I come up with the concepts and let the geeks figure it out. Just a wee insight into the that the mind of Acon. Right, that's what it said. Yeah. 
Apparently so. So are we, are we assuming that he didn't think up a coin? <laughs> Is he even yeah. let the geeks think up the names? I think he's definitely come up with Acorn Crypto City, but... Yeah, he's come up with that. Acoin, don't know. Yeah. Is he smart enough for that? Acoin's almost too good, yeah. Yeah. I'd need to maybe look back at his song lyrics to decide if I think he's... <laughs> if he's good enough, but then he maybe didn't even come up with that, so... True. It's a tough one. Oh, a whole can of worms there. Yep. Um, that for the, the Acorn Cryptocurrency podcast. Yeah, we'll do that one just after the Ice Hockey Conferences podcast and the England post-mortem podcast. <laughs> yeah. A bit yeah. busy for us. Yep. I think maybe just to round us off, you had mentioned something about uh, a particularly disfigured looking animal. Yeah. No, I just... I just... <laughs> Just looked at the article again there. It's very weird. Seen this uh, story on the, the Mirror website. So as we know, full of uh, quality journalism, but uh, the article uh, named Calf Born With Two Faces Stuns Workers on Farm in Brazil. <laughs> Which, uh, and then obviously there's a, a subheading to that. It's, it just says they nursed the deformed calf for five days before it died. Which oh, really? is kind of sad. Yeah, that is pretty sad. I thought it was like full, fully healthy, so I'll probably retract some of the, the slackings I was going to give it. I don't think it'll mind. Just looking up to see if I can find a picture. Yeah, I can see it there. It's definitely like it is just two heads, pretty much. So I'm merged together. It's really weird. Yep, I think it's if you saw weird. that. If you saw that coming, you'd, um, I was going to say run a mile, but it's been one of those things you'd kind of want to get a bit closer. <laughs> <laughs> get a wee cheeky picture in. Right, definitely. Two nuts. <laughs> we, we, uh, we cafe two nuts. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> Try to think of an alliterative name for him, but it's not coming to me yet. No. No. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know if, like, I mean, there's a picture of them feeding it, but, you, like, do, do they have to, do they feed the, the other mouth as well? Because obviously there's two mouths, but you wonder if it's just, if it's getting the same nutrition from... <laughs> <laughs> oh, this analysis. From one mouth. <laughs> or whether the, the other mouth was actually functional at all. Um, but obviously the mirror doesn't go into that sort of great detail about it. Um, That's left for us. Yeah, well, exactly. So they've basically done a half-assed article, basically just saying, look at this fucking freak cow. And then it's left to me and you as usual to go out and get to the bottom. I noticed how you said half-assed there. Maybe it has only got <laughs> half an arse because it's good. <laughs> Because he's got two heads. <laughs> That's because we can be double arsed about then. Well, um, calf. <laughs> 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 no, I don't, I genuinely don't know. I've lost it. I've totally lost it. Brilliant. What, what, no, what were you going to say? I don't, I genuinely don't know. I'm just going to say calf something. <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't know. I genuinely, I've, I've gone. It's enough. I'm calling time. Right. No. <laughs> <laughs> I love that this. I love that this is actually on the recording. This is the best bit. Uh, <laughs> what about Catherine Tate? <laughs> Catherine Tate, though. Tate for two. Catherine Tate. <laughs> As in like French for him. That's it, that's it, I'm heading off. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the end of that. Yep. Alright, well. We'll bring that back once we actually get to the bottom of why I had two heads and stuff. Yep, yeah. Best yeah. tuned for that. What well, was um, thoroughly enjoyable, episode 19. Um, and I'll, I, I guess I'll leave it to you to sign off. Uh, yeah, I actually generally have forgotten what it is. You've forgotten. The first word is thanks. Oh, yeah, of course. So it is. Uh, okay, that's fine. I'll sign it off. And uh, thanks for turning up, folks. And we'll see you next week. Cheerio.